Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hupka, a chapter past president and a member of the Pod Squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ETD. We also have Helena Hodges, Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. For this episode, we are interviewing an experienced Chief Human Resources Officer, Chief Learning and Talent Officer, and Thought Leader in the Human Capital, Talent, Enterprise, Education, and Education Technology field, as well as the author of four books. The Chief Learning Officer, Measuring the Success of Learning Through Technology, The Chief Talent and Forward-Focused Learning, Inside Award-Winning Organizations, Tamar Elkalez. Welcome, Tamar. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. Now, before we jump into our topic of forward-focused learning, can you share a little bit about your background with our listeners? Sure. So I have had uh, over 30 years of experience in the learning and HR and talent space. Um, I started out my career uh, working at Qualcomm. I was the chief learning officer there for 25 years. Um, After that, I moved to be the head of HR in a Silicon Valley startup and then worked as a chief talent executive for a venture capital firm in Silicon Valley and then just spent the last three years as the chief HR officer for a startup um, in Southern California. So super excited to be here with you all and hopefully can share a lot of my experience being a, a talent learning and HR executive over the past 30 years in technology companies. Now, before we do jump into the topic fully, can you first explain exactly what is forward-focused learning? It's really interesting that you ask that. So when we first embarked on the journey of creating this book, I reached out to a number of my different chief learning officer, chief HR officer, chief talent officer, colleagues and friends and said, look, We have been doing this a really long time, but what we haven't done is shared all of our experiences and the work that we've done with a broader audience. So I wanted to put together a book that was a collection of all of our experiences and processes and programs and initiatives that we've worked on in the talent space. And as we went through the process of gathering all of their insights and having them each write a chapter to contribute to this book, We really thought it was going to be around uh, future-focused learning. We thought it was going to be around, you know, best-in-class practices and learning organizations. And what we came up with was the theme that crossed everyone's chapter, which was everyone was forward-focused. It was not about living in the present and doing work for today, but it was really about thinking about the future of learning, the future of work. And so everyone's contributions were very much focused on forward-focused learning and forward-focused thinking. So I could see that could bring a lot of benefits. Could you share a few of them? Yeah. I mean, I think what you realize when you read the book is that the different chapters are very reflective of what happens within award-winning learning organizations. And there's a number of different factors around that. You know, it's the infrastructure of the organization. It's setting up an amazing learning organization. It's creating an agenda uh, that focuses on a learning ecosystem. 
It also focuses a lot on how do you manage budget? How do you think strategically about learning organizations? How do you build an award-winning learning team that's behind the scenes, that's really pushing and, and generating more learning opportunities for an employee base? And thinking about impact. So at the end of the day, one of the biggest things that we learned in the process of writing this book was that learning is only as good as the impact that it has on the business. And so all of these contributors were focused on how does learning impact the business? How do our programs, initiatives, practices all impact the broader system? And for most of us in the learning officer space or even in HR space, we realize that we are business people first and learning slash HR talent people second. And as long as we continue to have that mindset, we can continue to push ourselves and our organizations forward. What I really love about what you just shared, I think what really excites me is that you used my favorite word, which is impact. So many times, talent development practitioners are figuring out what impact looks like and how do you determine what impact is going to be for your organization, for your learners, for your team. I'm curious if you could share an example or two of how forward-focused learning has helped organizations. Are there stories or examples or, or things like that that you might be able to share to help us to kind of illustrate the impact that this kind of thinking and these kind of practices can have on all of us who are out there working in this space? Sure. I and mean, there's there's many. Um, just I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, just because I've had 30 years of having big impact, right? Um, but, yeah. but I think what's important to realize is that there's little things like increasing time to market. So for mm-hmm. example, um, creating a program on uh, product management or on moving forward with a time to market initiative in manufacturing can really help bring product to market faster. And so I've personally experienced that where we've implemented specific kinds of programs to help with creating a product, creating that faster than other competition. And we've actually been able to see that based on the training program that we did and the work that the employees did as a result, definitely impacted our ability to get product out in a, in a faster time frame. The other piece that a lot of people see is around, for example, leadership development. So one of the things that we've looked at, and there's examples of it in the book as well, is a higher rate to promotion for those leaders who participated in some kind of leadership development program. Um, There's higher levels of employee engagement through um, looking at managers who participated in management development programs. There's higher levels of employee retention based on certain employees getting access to certain kinds of development or training opportunities and others that did not. So there's a number of different levels of impact, whether it's looking at specifically in a business, getting product out into the market on time and or getting leadership engagement and or employee retention. So there's many different factors to be looking at that you can use to demonstrate impact. I think one of the struggles that a lot of learning people, learning practitioners, and heads of HR have had issues with in the past is really trying to focus on this return on their investment. And instead of looking at ROI, I'm very focused on what is the VOI, the value of the investment. And one of the things that I've said a lot to um, executives, as well as CFOs, as well as my colleagues in learning is, 
look, if your CFO is asking you for the return on the investment of your learning programs, then you should be looking for another job because they're not seeing the impact of what it is that you're doing on a day-to-day basis to develop talent. The number one reason an employee stays in a company today is because of career growth. The number two is manager quality. And we impact both of those significantly. And so I really think it's important for us not to get stuck on, for example, an ROI metric, but to really be thinking about how do I demonstrate value of the impact that I'm having in the organization and value of that investment. And there's many ways to do that. One of the best is to really be looking at what's important to the leadership team. Now, many people know, and I'm sure you guys are aware too, that um, recently in 2020, the uh, Securities Exchange Commission in the US, the SEC, passed a regulation for all public companies that they must now report human capital metrics into their 10Ks, right? So that is a massive inflection point for us to demonstrate impact. We need to help our executives, our boards, our CEOs understand how to communicate the value of their human capital. And if the SEC and public companies have to report that on a 10K or being held accountable for that, not just the financials of the company, but also what they're doing in human capital, that really gives us a massive opportunity and window to be able to communicate the value of the investment that we're making in human capital and learning and development. It's really interesting to hear you talk about it in those terms, too, because I think what you're really alluding to is something that so many of us talk about, which is how do you get that seat at the table? How does a talent development practitioner get a seat at the table? And it sounds like bringing this idea of forward-focused learning and some of these almost best practices, really, as you're describing them, is a really positive way to be able to call attention to the good work that's being done and perhaps even get that seat. Well, look, I mean, we're at the table of the board right now. We're at the board Mm -hmm. table. If there is a discussion by board members, and I'm personally a board executive on public and private company boards, there is a massive amount of discussion around talent. A, do you have the talent that you need to execute? You know, B, what are your talent risks that you have in your organization? Um, And C, what's your succession plan? And so, you know, at the table at board board service right now, board members are looking at the talent profiles of their organizations, understanding the talent risks in their organizations. And because it's now a massive public uh, profile on 10Ks with the SEC, you have a seat at the table as a learning executive. You have a seat at the table as a learning professional because you're having to communicate the value of what you're doing to your board and also to your C-suite. And one of the things I say to people all the time is, you know, we shouldn't be asking for a seat at the table. We should be calling the meeting. And if we're calling the meeting, we create the agenda. And today, human capital is a massive agenda. Look, you know, we've all been talking over the last two years about the great resignation. Some people have been talking about the great attrition. Um, And we're also in another, quote unquote, war for talent. Well, through my 30 years, uh, we've always been at war for talent. I I haven't seen a time where we've won the war. Uh, But we are in at an inflection point, I believe, in trying to figure out how are we going to move the talent needle within organizations today? And a lot of that is around career growth and career development opportunities. And I firmly believe that that's one of the key differentiators for organizations that make them great, not just average. 
Oh, absolutely. Well, and it sounds like uh, this is applying a systems mindset, right, to the to learning organization. I know you talk about that in your book. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's really a full on. It's a full on ecosystem, right? I mean, learning yep. has to be part of the culture. It has to be part of the reward systems. It has to be part of management competency. You know, there are two things that make a successful company. One is leadership and the other is execution. And you need learning and development as a culture to do both. You need an ecosystem that is not only investing in its people, but rewarding people who are taking opportunities for development and growth. And you're also an organization that's focused on internal growth and mobility. And most of those organizations have a systemic model and a systemic way to think about learning as a vehicle to help grow talent and grow leadership in an organization, which ultimately provides for great financials and revenue and all kinds of opportunities with customers. I love that. So those listeners that are from organizations and they're like, hey, I want a more forward focused you know, learning organization. What are some of the first steps that folks can take to I do? I think the biggest thing is to really think about the team that you have within your organization, within your learning organization or your HR organization. Um, you know, the team is is a massive factor for success of a learning organization, for success of a forward focused learning organization. And part of that is making sure that the team has the mindset to think bigger and to think broader. It's not about programs. Learning is a process, not an event. Learning is something that's occurring everywhere. We don't control learning anymore. Employees do. And so it really needs to be a team of people that understand that they are there as enablers of a learning ecosystem, but they are not facilitators of training. And so to me, it always starts with the people that are behind the programs, uh, that are behind the organization. You know, when I was at Qualcomm, I had, you know, over 150 learning practitioners that worked for me. And a lot of what we were focused on was trying to get the right mindset for all of them to be able to move the organization forward and to move all of our activities forward. You know, I, I always feel like it's important to think about what have I been doing, for example, in L&D over the last five years for my organization? If you've been doing it the last five years, it probably needs to be thrown away and started over. We shouldn't be offering the same kind of leadership <laughs> yeah. development programs that we've had in place for three to five years. You know, work has changed, ways of working has changed, and ways of learning has changed. And so we really need to be moving the needle by rethinking all the time starting it over. You know, we can't make incremental change. A forward-focused learning organization and a forward-focused organization in general is really all about innovation and change. And if we're holding on to some of the things that we've done in the past, we're not going to be able to move forward. I would love to go back to something you shared. You had mentioned that the team is a massive factor, and that is something that I wholeheartedly agree with. Just as we are always looking to develop training that is learner-centered, as we develop it, it really has to be focused on the team and, and you know be very team-centered. And I'm curious if you have ever experienced challenges getting support from stakeholders, or if you have any thoughts or tips as far as how to you know, really cultivate a team mindset, how to bring people on board or convince them that forward-focused learning is the right mindset to be in when perhaps they may have some pushback instead. Are you talking about the learning practitioners or are you talking about the business folks? 
You know, I was thinking about the business folks, but I'd be curious of, about your thoughts on both of those, because I'd imagine that in some cases, the team itself needs a little bit of convincing if perhaps this isn't a mindset that they are typically well, then in. they shouldn't be on the team. <laughs> That's tough love, right? I mean, I know. It, and look, I know there it. are some people that are going to opt out because they don't want to be part of a forward focused learning organization. They really want to be in an organization that's a little bit more in a maintenance mode, right? I mean, mm-hmm. for for me and for my organization and for the folks that I work with and for a lot of my colleagues, we were focused on moving the organization forward, focused on innovation, focused on forward thinking. Um, and that is not for everybody. And that's okay to opt out. On the business side, I firmly believe, and I haven't yet met you know, an engineer or an executive that doesn't want to execute. And so one of the things that I started early on, you know, in my career was doing something called impact mapping. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with Rob Brinkerhoff, good friend of mine, amazing, amazing practitioner in the L&D space. But Brinkerhoff wrote a book um, and talked a lot about in that book about impact mapping. And we would do that with our executives. And if you think about an impact map, you get on the whiteboard and you start with, okay, what are the business drivers? What are the things that you want to do? For example, increase revenue by 15%, increase customer adoption by 25%, um, make sure that we have 100% employee, uh, employee retention whatever those drivers are. And then you work backwards to what is the specific training and development that you need to get those business outcomes. And it's literally a map where you're mapping from the end result, that end result goal, all the way to, okay, so what do individuals in my organization need to do to get there? And I've done that several times with business executives. And when they can see that line of sight that this is your business goal, increase revenue by X percent. And, and if we work backwards and go, this is what your individual employees in your organization or your business need to be doing to get there, they'll see this is the kind of training and development they need in order to achieve that. And so that level of line of sight to me is the way that you can really move uh, executives forward on really buying into a forward-focused learning organization. The other piece that I think is really important is meeting executives where they're at. So we, we have done, and I've done several times in my career, uh, working with executives on quarterly and or every 60 days or every six months, a learning plan for their business. And if you get executives involved and, and what we would do is go into our organizations, we called it internal consulting. We'd go into the organization and sit down with people at the lowest level in that business, all the way up to VPs. And ask them, what are the specific needs that you have in the organization? What are the specific business drivers in your organization? What are the things you wish people would be doing differently? If people could do X and could perform differently, what would that look like? And we collected all that data and came up with a massive amount of information that provided us with, these are the specific behaviors and or competencies and or skills that are needed for folks in this organization. And we created a learning plan based on that and shared that with the CEO with the CEO and or the head of that business unit. Based on that information, they completely saw that I interviewed 150 people in your organization. These are the skills, these are the behaviors, these are the competencies that people need to have. And the, this is the training that's going to get them there. Do you approve this training plan? 99% of the time they were fully on board and they were willing to pay for that because that was data you were getting from their organization specifically with all the names of those people that you talked to that was going to have a massive impact on their business. 
I feel like you're giving us a roadmap for how to do this. I mean, you're checking off every single box and totally speaking my language when it comes to data and the importance of collecting that and then being able to use that. I mean, it's incredible feedback. I I think this has really been enlightening in a lot of ways. I'm kind of sorry that it is time for us to move into our rapid fire segment because I feel like we have so much more that we can learn we from you. I think much we'll have to continue time. this conversation. I know. I feel like we've got to find some time to continue <laughs> this. This has just been amazing. Version two. We need to do a version but- two. That's what we need. That's what we're going to have to figure out. We got to put version two on the books. This is so good. So at the end of every episode, we like to ask our guests a couple of rapid fire style questions. Each one of these questions requires less than 60 seconds to respond. So what do you think? Are you ready for some rapid fire? Ready. Bring it on. (laughs) I love that. The enthusiasm. I love it. All right. Your first question. Give us one book that everyone must read and why. Are you kidding? It's got to be forward-focused learning. It's my book. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. I knew you were going to say that. That's not rapid fire. Of course I'm going to say forward-focused <laughs> learning. But I think the, the most important part of the book is not all of the chapters where people are telling you exactly how to do it. But I would say focus on the conclusion, which was my last chapter on moving forward. Because where I firmly believe a lot has changed, and we, we published this book and it came out in 2020. So it was in the middle of a pandemic. But at the end of the day, what I really think we need to be addressing today is new ways of working, new ways of learning. We're not going back, we're moving forward. And so the most important part to me is getting everyone in our organization, as well as ourselves, up to speed on what it takes to move forward in this new work world. Yeah, you are 100% right on that. Fantastic answer. All right. Your second question. What is a tool that you can't live without? My brain. Oh, another good answer. The, the, the number one thing that no one can ever take <laughs> away from us. You can take my computer. You can take my phone. You can take my Slack. You can take... I hate Zoom, but you can take my Zoom. You can take it all, <laughs> but you cannot take away the knowledge that I have in my head. And as long as we are learning and HR and talent professionals, I think the number one thing that we need to do is keep learning ourselves. And this model of continuous learning is real. Um, I am voracious as far as reading. I think it's important for us to keep on trends. I think organizations like ATD provide us with great opportunities to learn what other companies are doing and to benchmark with other organizations. Look, I spent 25 years at Qualcomm. And because of all of the colleagues that I had and other organizations and all of the colleagues I met through my connections to ATD and other organizations, I really felt like I worked in a lot of other companies as well. So I think gaining knowledge from others and sharing that knowledge can really, really enhance our careers and enhance our own development. So for me, it's really about the knowledge I have in my head and my brain is my most important tool. Yeah, you know, and that was also a really great Um, opportunity to kind of plug what you can get from ATD and from other organizations and networking. But I think you are 100% right. Your brain. Absolutely. Gosh, that's a great answer. All right. Our last question for you today. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Dress not for the job that you have, but for the job that you want. Mm. Now, in today's world where we are remote and we're hybrid, you know, I'm in my pajamas most of the day anyway, or at least on the bottom down, right? You wouldn't notice that. But, Absolutely. But so, so it's a little <laughs> bit, it's a little bit challenging in today's environment when we're all when we're not in an office environment. But what the reason 
that's still a salient for me is it's not really about the way you dress. It's around the way that you act. Right. And I, and when I started my career, um, in 1992, I was a summer intern, um, and Qualcomm was only 700 employees at the time. We had just gone IPO a year before, and I joined for a three month internship and I was there for 25 years, um, and grew that learning organization. So the reason that that is so salient for me is because it's really about thinking about your future, not thinking about your today, right? And thinking about how do I grow my career within this organization and what can I do to constantly show up as that next level job? What do I do to show up in that next level of opportunity? So if you walk around acting like the intern, um, you're going to stay the intern, if you walk around acting like you're the VP, you're going to become the VP. And so it's really not about how you dress, but it's more about how you act and it's about how you behave and it's how you perform. And so for me, it's really important to think not about today, but think about the future, which is why I was really focused on a forward-focused learning book, because we really need to be constantly looking at what's next. That so beautifully brings us full circle, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) What a fantastic way to wrap that up. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tamar. Of course, it's been a pleasure. And I'm I'm really looking forward to a version two if we get around to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and Stephanie and I would love to also thank our community for listening. Before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Whether you are a member of our chapter or not, we have resources for you. Go to dcatd.org and choose the chapter bulletin board to read our blog access the member spotlight, and learn more about how TD professionals spend their time. Want to network with other chapter members? Join the Metro DC chapter of ATD members on LinkedIn today.